0: They even throw in registration and twelve months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.
1: We conceded two really poor goals in the first ten minutes and gave ourselves an even bigger challenge than we had before the game. So we can't keep conceding goals first in games of football at this level. Well,
2: the first half was outstanding. I thought it's probably the best football we've played all year. Difficult place to come and get a result. Overall, so please all pleased.
3: The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first.
4: Let's go! So what do you think? Are Celtic the new title favourites? After five straight wins, Ange Postacoglu's team are now just two points off the pace in the Premiership. And what's happened to that dodgy defence? They've conceded the fewest goals in the league. Is the balance shifting, Leanne Crichton? Is the momentum with Celtic?
5: Uh, It certainly opened up what's uh, thought to be a a title race and I think it could be a good one at that, Rob. It's been an incredible run from Celtic. I think there's lots of positive signs in the way that they're playing, attack, defence. It all seems to be coming together nicely. Just at the same time, Rangers are... You know, hit a few stumbling blocks so it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks another big weekend ahead for both clubs
4: Yeah what about Rangers uh, they've drawn three of their last four league games at Ibrox more spilled points last night Rangers needed a late penalty to salvage a point against Aberdeen Neil Alexander are your old team struggling or can they just point to the league table and say look who's top
6: well, they're certainly not hitting the heights they did last season. Obviously, they were phenomenal last season, and the expectation levels probably risen at Ibrox. So, you know, it was always going to be a difficult one for them to to maintain that this season. Yeah, they're, they're not playing well, but they can look at the table as you say, and they're still top. I've said it before; I still think Rangers are in third gear. They've still got a few gears to go up. Um, they're, they're very inconsistent at the minute, but I'm sure Stephen Gerrard will, will be firmly believing with the, the players that he's got his, his, at his disposal that they will turn it around and they will start to go on a, on a winning run.
4: It's shaping as a very uh, intriguing title. It's just three points between the top four at the moment. Rangers 24, Celtic 22, Hearts and Dundee United, both on 21. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Uh, get involved with us uh, in the football discussion. 0808 17 17 700. Text GO and your message to 874 74 on the socials it's at Go Football Show, and it's a Go Radio Football Show debut will he have nerves tonight we shall see Neil Alexander the former Rangers and Hearts goalkeeper uh, also played uh, for Cardiff and Ipswich among others three Scotland Caps um, and played in the Kieran Cup as well. We'll maybe get to that a little bit, a little bit later on. There have been quite a few stories uh, flying around uh, this week uh, about the Kieran Cup. Um, and but let's let's start um, with Walter Smith, Neil, the man um, who signed you for Rangers, the man who gave you your Scotland caps as well. What sort of relationship did you have with the great man? A very good one. I, I love the man. You know, he was.
6: He made two of my dreams come true, you know, so I'll be forever indebted to him. Um, obviously, he gave me my Scotland three caps, which was a dream of mine when I was young. All I wanted to do was was play for Scotland and he managed to do that and then obviously to sign me for Glasgow Rangers, which again is a dream come true and you know, I had six fantastic years there, although he was only there for, for the five, but um, what a man, I can't say enough about him, uh, I was absolutely devastated. When I heard the news, yes, well, on Tuesday, um, obviously I knew his health hadn't been too great um, over the past sort of year and a half. But saw a picture of him at Lomond at the golf, and okay, looked a little bit frail. But things were getting said that he was getting better. He was at a better bill of health, and you know I thought he'd turned the corner. Um, so it, it did come as a bit of a shock when I got the news through, and yeah, it was a very emotional day. I was just sitting watching the the tributes on the telly all day, and. Finding it hard to fight the tears back, to be honest, it, it was really difficult because he was such an influence in my career. He had done so much for me, as I said, he made two of my dreams come true, and um, it, it, it's difficult. I even lost for words. He was such a he's such a man. He, he was the type of man that he, w- he would care more about you and your family than he did himself. He would always ask how. He would always know my wife's name, my kid's name. I was asking how are they, you know, bumped into him um, not that long ago in Bear's Den. You know, He was just out, he was doing a bit of Christmas shopping and my wife and I bumped into him and he's sitting talking for five, ten minutes. Just lovely, lovely man. One of the nicest men ever. And um, as I say, I can't speak highly enough of him. What What a man, what a gentleman. You know, people maybe don't see that. They th- they see the football side of him, but off the field, he was he was such a such a nice man.
4: It's a rare combination, isn't it, Leon? That that scale of achievement that he had, uh, 21 trophies and and all the rest, uh, but great humility as well.
5: Yeah, everything uh, about Walter Smith. I think that's the way he carried himself. Um, You know, I was never lucky enough t- to meet him and come across him, but certainly growing up as a kid in the East End of Glasgow and loving football and he's probably I think one of the most pivotal characters in the game, certainly in my generation, you know, alongside Sir Alex Ferguson, when you watch those two operate in a football capacity I think the way that they carry themselves more importantly the way they treat others, I think is the biggest thing and you've heard that, listening to the stories you know, you know, I listened to the show last night, um, Davy Province speaking about him, you know, the guys that have come on listening to Ali McCoy and, and his tribute of him the other day and the stories that will continue to hear, I think, in stories that people will never have heard before. But there's a common theme develops, and that was that he was just a really good guy and uh, a real massive loss he'll be. I don't think you you know, can never replace somebody like that in the game, but certainly his legacy will live on. And certainly I think it's, you know, Neil would have experienced it at Rangers. His identity is all over that club, mm. you know, and and that continues to this day in the way that the, the club carry themselves. And, the standards and the expectations, that goes back to guys like Walter
6: Smith.
4: A master of man management, wasn't he, Neil?
6: He was. He, his, his knowledge in football was, was second to none. You know, He knew what the game needed at the right times. He, he knew when he needed a backside, he knew when he needed a wee pat in the back or a cuddle. He just knew everything about football, knew the right things to say at the right times. Um, but it's just a mark of the man when there's there's not one person that will have a bad word to say about Walter. And, and that sums everything up. You know, he, he was such a, a lovely man. He, he he knew how to win, and and more. He, he knew when he got beat how to act. He was pure class. You know, he, he summed up everything that you'd want from a Rangers manager. You know, and um, you know, I'm I'm very very fortunate that I managed to spend a lot of time on.
5: I think um, that's the biggest thing as well, Neil. When you you look at Glasgow and we speak about the game at times and a lot of the negativity that comes with, it, but when you look at that time that. Walter had at Rangers uh, and alongside Tommy Burns at Celtic mm-hmm. and how that relationship was and how that relationship went on at national team level. There was no divide between those men. Yeah. you know, And they brought everybody together and I think that's why in the last couple of days you can see that with Scottish football. It's, it's brought everybody together again. Yeah, yeah so, many, so many
4: connections actually yeah, and between it's and Walter Smith and Tommy Burns. It, it, yeah. Neil
5: says to cross that divide with, mm. with those types of men and, and not to be a bad word spoken and that nobody shares negative stories or have a bad word to say that's, that's an incredible place to be in life if you can get through and, and do as good a job as Walter Smith managed to do and Tommy Burns unbelievable
4: Yeah and we lost Billy McNeil and I guess you know Walter Smith is up there isn't he and uh, just as Billy McNeil was as well and one of the great statesmen of, of Scottish football um, both top achievers in football Neil both lovely people yeah, as I say, Water was so successful
6: throughout his career, won a lot, of, a lot of trophies. Um, but you wouldn't know if you spoke to him. You know, he, he was so humble. You know, he, he loved Rangers. He wanted to do the best by Rangers. He loved his family. You know, and that was that was the two things that he was just so content in his life. That's all he wanted out of life. And um, you know, we were all devastated when when Water left um, just before Ali McCoy took over. Uh, there was there was tears shed when he left when he decided to step down and. Um, we'd have probably loved a few more years under him and maybe a bit more success but he made his decision and we respected that but it just just shows the mark of the man that the players were begging him to stay they didn't want him to go and that just sums him up for me
4: It all made for a pretty incredible atmosphere last night at uh, Ibrox really poignant uh, with all the tributes being paid
1: uh, to the great man um, Stephen Gerrard here I think the fans were, were terrific. I think the, the reaction from, from world football, everyone local, I think the tributes from ex-players and people that knew Walter, I think very fitting. No surprise to me because I've been lucky enough to be in, in his company. I think his family should be ever so proud of him. What, what he's achieved in the game, but also the human being he was, they should be very proud of him. Listen, you can certainly feel the emotion. It's been tough for everyone connected to the club, but we had to move on to the football once the whistle went tonight. And um, I need more. Uh, from my team and us as a staff need to do more to make sure that we fixed a few things that need fixing
4: Rangers 2 Aberdeen 2 was how it uh, finished at Ibrox last night Rob McLean, Leanne Crichton Neil Alexander in the studio uh, and Gordon on the line a Rangers fan Hi Gordon Hi mate how you doing? Yeah well thanks what would you like to talk about?
7: No, just uh, just got a couple of points. Just uh, first point. Uh, just wanted to uh, pay tribute to WaterSmith. Smith. I've not had the chance to do so so far. Um, the the just cannot put my Rangers, and um, I'm twenty nine years old. So he was me. Um, I've well, not everybody. Most success that I've seen as a Rangers fan came with Water Smith as manager, and. Um, I was me and my dad were speaking to each other as I have says a few times on the phone. I've went home away in Europe to pretty much most Rangers games throughout my life, and most of the memories that I've got with my dad, like going to all the UFA uh, Cup games and the Champions League games, and even getting to the final, and that that was that was all thanks to Walter Smith and um, what what he managed to achieve as a manager. And I just think um, it, it will just be sorely of missed. He was just such a a great manager, and. As you've heard, all the ex-professionals and everybody says it's met him and have been lucky enough to meet him myself a couple of times. He's just such a a, a lovely, lovely gentleman, and he'll just be solid master right across world football.
4: Yeah, I think those who got got close to to Walter Neil um, were the were the lucky ones, and 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 are the ones right now who are going to miss him most, obviously. Yeah,
6: definitely. I mean, I'm I'm definitely privileged to to have been in you know worked under him and experienced what he was like as a manager and as a man. Um, and there's loads of people out there who never got that opportunity, but still think very, very highly of him. You know, and that that's again says a lot about him. Um, it, it was just a, a pleasure to work under. I can't, you know, say it enough. Um, he, he his man management was just the best I've ever experienced. You know, he's the best manager I've ever worked under. And um, you know, there's so many things that that happened during that time that you just that it just goes up in your estimation little things as well little little details and just, just for example when um, my wife gave birth to our, our third child you know he sent flowers he sent flowers to my wife not even to me to the house <laughs> from Walter <laughs> and, and the staff you know just little things that makes rangers the family that they are you know it brings everyone together as I said if, if you pass my wife in the street or, in, or at the stadium would go up and spend five minutes and talk to her and make her feel special you know yeah. that he knew, and just little things like that. I mean, and that's that's away from the football side of it. Mm-hmm. So he just he knew your kids' names, he knew your wife' names and
4: little things like that that just made you feel ten foot tall. He obviously knew who the important person was in your household. Yeah, the wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there was the minute silence um, last night, Gordon. Uh, there was the the applause in the seventy third minute um, as well. H- how much do you think all of that impacted on the way the game went last night?
7: Well, I don't know. I I was saying to uh, my dad before the game yesterday, um, and I, I was saying to him, I, I don't know what can impact. Uh, Neil would probably know better than and I way. I don't know um, what can impact something like that has, whether it fires you up or whether it maybe can put you down a bit. I don't know what kind of mindset it puts you in because I've never been in that position myself. But I, I'd say to my dad, I'd like to hope it would kind of Fire the players up, and it would give him something to him for, um, just with his family and just how much he meant to the club. But I don't know if that had an effect on the game yesterday. But yeah. it just wasn't, it just wasn't good enough, and we've not been good enough at all um, this season. I was sitting um, earlier on, and I was watching uh, highlights for a couple of games in particular. A uh, fourth goal against Ross County last season. I don't know if you remember. It was Ryan Jack uh, came back from injury and he scored mm-hmm. a crackery a goal. Uh, just our build-up play the way we were playing. We managed to cut through teams with ease. There was never there was never a struggle. It never seemed we could go and we could score like the least three, four, five, six, seven, even eight goals against Hamilton. We just never seemed to struggle. But this, this team this season seems to have went to, we're playing like the way we did in 2019-2020 um, when we really struggled and we go to the final third and we seem to uh, every attack seemed to break down and, and the passes started going backwards We just don't seem to have that fight That passion That kind of energy To, to cut teams down And I really I don't know what it is It's missing this season But I don't know if it's the, the lack of spending In the summer or whatever But as I've said a few times um, On the phone and on this phone in, um, that This is a, a massively, massively important season Especially for Rangers Just with that Champions League money as much as a title means a britain and winning the actual medal, it is the most important thing. There's about thirty, to forty million pounds on the line and it's so important going forward that we win this title. So I just really hope we can manage to get it pumped in, get it sorted soon. Do you
4: have a theory, Leanne, as to why Rangers are not firing on all cylinders at the moment? I
5: think it's a combination, Rob. I think when you, you go back to last season, you know, one of the, the things that we praised an awful lot about Rangers was the recruitment, you know, and, and um, they were so strong. They had so much depth to the squad. They had players that came in and impacted you know, from the bench. They had goals from all over the pitch. I think when you look at this season, the players that have come in, Lundstrom, for me, I don't think has done enough. Fashion Sakala hasn't done enough. Simpson hasn't done enough. And then amongst that, you've then lost the likes of Holander, Ryan Jack and Ryan Kent. So I think there's an accumulation of personnel issues there. The balance isn't quite right. And into the bargain, you've got another season that teams have had an opportunity to to find a a game plan to go up against Rangers, to nullify their threats. And on that day when Rangers don't perform, you know, we spoke about it before we came on air, and me and Neil spoke, you would agree that if Rangers play well in a 4-3-3 system with their best players on the pitch, they should have no concerns about going up against anybody else. But if you have three or four players in amongst that system that don't play well, if you chop and change the personnel, i.e., Rights in one game, he's back out, roofs out left, he's back out, roofs through the middle. Morelis doesn't start, he's chop and change your fullback situations. I don't think anybody's performing well enough to chop and change a, a, a team selection as much as Rangers are doing just now. Um, and then, amongst that, you've got pressure, you've got supporters in the grounds, you've got an atmosphere that can go from elation to frustration in the matter of seconds at Ibrox. I don't think that, that that dressing room just now is, is well equipped enough to deal with all of that
6: collectively.
4: And I think you agree, don't you Neil, with that, that lack of continuity is a big issue this season.
6: Yeah, definitely. I just agree. I definitely agree with what uh, Liam was saying there. And obviously, speaking, you know, before we came on here, I think definitely was a huge miss. Obviously, Jack and Kent as well, you know, three very consistent players of last season. Um, and any any tub, any club's going to struggle to to cope without their th- one of the three main influential players as well. Although Rangers have got you know quality depth and quality, and, but they are three big players that they they rely on at times. And you know it's just not happened for Rangers this season. If it is because you know they've missed a few players, they've chopped and changed a lot. I know Al McGregor's been in and out a lot. Uh, Stephen Davis been in and out a lot. I think Stephen Gerrard's obviously looking after them because of their age, but players need games you know you need consistency in, in the team I think Steven Gerard needs to get a, a run of maybe 5-6 games where he's playing the same team same formation you know and, and start racking up wins back to back and getting a bit of consistency a bit, a bit of confidence because I think they are lacking confidence especially in the forward areas you know I, I was at the game last night and, and I've watched quite a lot of Rangers I've been a few, uh, quite a lot of Rangers games this season and just they're lacking that little bit of quality in, in the wider areas and in front of goals and, and the fans have been getting on top of them. And it has been different for them. You know, a lot of the a lot of players last season it's easy to play with no fans. It's like a closed door reserve game. There's no pressure. You can you can deliver a cross and it goes out of play or hits a first man and no one says nothing. Whereas now the Rangers fans are starting to get annoyed with it they're starting to get irritated and they're letting the players know about it and you know a lot of players can't handle that you know playing for Celtic and Rangers is really really tough especially when things aren't going as well as they should be and this you is know,
4: new at the moment for them because, <laughs> be, no, because, because of the the grounds have been empty for yeah, so long yeah well there's
6: a lot of players in, in both Celtic and Rangers that w- won't have experience playing in front of 50,000 you know that pressure that expen, expen, the expense sorry I can't even say that expectancy you know it, it's, it's tough you know, and you know, when things are going great, yeah, it's fantastic. The fans are superb. And the fans will always get behind the team, but they'll let you know as well when things aren't going well. So, um, you know, it's a mindset. And you've got to be strong mentally to play for the old firm.
4: And yet they are still top of the league. Gordon, thanks for your call. Thanks, cheers. Good to have you on the show.
3: The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicenter.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go! go, go
4: former Rangers and Hearts goalkeeper and Scotland goalkeeper Neil Alexander joining us on the show. Leanne Crichton is here as ever. We always appreciate you as well, even though it's not your debut uh, tonight, uh, Leanne. And Rob McLean here as well, the Thursday edition of the show. Looking back on a, a busy midweek card last night in the Premiership. And of course, starting to look ahead to the weekend games as well. Celtic at home to Livingston, On Saturday, Aberdeen Hearts, Dundee United, St Johnston, Ross County against Hibbs. That's going to be interesting on the back of what happened uh, last night. St Mirren uh, against Dundee. And of course, the Sunday game is Motherwell against Rangers at Fir Park. And you just get the feeling at the moment, nothing is coming too easily to Rangers, uh, even though they are top of the league. So that could be uh, a difficult one for them at uh, Fir Park a lot of talk uh, Neil uh, you and I were both at that game last night uh, Rangers to Aberdeen to about the penalty award the decision by John Beaton to give the penalty James Tavernier scored of course with nine minutes to go to rescue a point for Rangers how did you see it? My first thought was
6: it looked very soft very soft I didn't think it was a penalty at first but having looked at it again today several times there is a a bit of shirt pulling. Maybe not enough to to bring Takala down but he's definitely got a a hold of his, the back of his shirt um, which is a great spot by the referee if if he has seen it. Um, So it was a soft one. It was a soft one and and listen, Rangers needed it. They needed it and after that I thought they might have gone on and and got a third and won the game and that would have been a fitting tribute to to Walter. Um, But yeah, it was fairly soft and you know, sometimes these things even themselves out in the course of a season, so I'm sure that there'll be one against Rangers that they think is soft as well.
4: Stephen Glass wasn't happy either with the the free kick that brought the the first goal for Rangers, uh, the Morellas header, it um, was given against Lewis Ferguson, uh, and he certainly wasn't happy uh, about the penalty decision given against David Bates. Uh, Leanne, what did you think?
5: Yeah, look, I think when you look back over it and you come off the, the pitch that Stephen Glass did last night, it would have been. Hugely disappointed that they didn't take all three points, going from being two goals up as quickly as they were, to then concede the two goals from set pieces, which I think is as any manager and coach will do, you, you dissect that and look at how it could have been prevented. So if it's soft initially and you believe that, that, that gives you an outroads, you know, but then you still need to go on and defend it. So they didn't defend the free kick. Uh, I think over the course of the season, if you're going to nitpick about those types of decisions, I I think they'll balance out. The penalty for me. I think it's soft but over the course of that game I genuinely thought there was a lot happening in both boxes defensively that that would have given a referee a decision to make and I think as a defender at the point you give a referee a decision to make i.e. pulling a shirt whether that's lightly, heavily, inside the box it's a game changer because outside the box anywhere else in the pitch you pull somebody's shirt it's a free kick Mm -hmm. more often than not you'll also get a yellow card whether that's in the first 30 seconds of the game or in the 93rd minute of the game. It's a yellow card. Um, it was soft, but I think Sakala's movement is smart. You know, he, he tries to escape the shirt pull, which draws attention to it, and he gets wrong side of David Bates. And I think we had said that he goes to go with the head, you know, so he's going to ground anyway, I think, to try and get across with the header. So I think he can be disheartened that the penalty's been given, but also I think if David Bates looks back on it, just don't pull the
6: shirt at all. I think you can tell as well by if, I don't David think Bates' needs... reaction. That yeah. gives a lot away, it was a yeah. bit of guilt. He never really complained, and no. never really was in the referee's face. He, he probably knew he did grab his shirt, maybe not enough to put him to the ground but he probably there was an element of guilt there I think. and you can tell that by some players' reactions. And there's a
5: couple of warnings throughout the game. You know, Several corners, play was stopped a couple of times. I think maybe even David Bates at one time ended up in the floor because there was a bit of grappling going on before the ball was kicked. Mm. So I think over the course, when the referee's constantly seeing moments like that happening in the game, um, and then if he sees a sharp pull and a player goes to ground, it, it makes it easy for him. To, you know to go and make that decision because he's got a split second. He doesn't have the beauty of what we've got just now, where we can replay it today, and I can now offer my opinion mm. almost twenty-four hours later. John Beaton didn't have that opportunity last night, so he's made it based on what he saw.
4: Being nice to referees, it's not going to catch on, um, no doubt about it. And um, we spoke to Gordon when he was on the on the lines, Neil, about about the, what impact the emotion of the night might have had on the game. Um, I mean. I was on the show last night and, and Paul was asking me what I thought about it and I, I just speculated that if it started badly for Rangers, what 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 might happen did happen, which was the fans got decidedly edgy about going two down. And, and it, it looked at one point as if Rangers might go three goals behind. And, and I felt as if the opposite might apply. Had Rangers scored early, then there might have been an emotional tidal wave almost and it might have been a big win for them did it have a did you think being inside the ground did you feel that the the whole atmosphere had an impact on the game
6: yeah there was definitely an emotional atmosphere and probably not the performance and not the result that every single fan wanted as a tribute to walter you know on on monday i was humming and humming to go to the game but after the the news broke on tuesday i i I, would, I made my mind up i was definitely going and i and i just wanted to go as a tribute to all I wanted to be there to experience it I went and laid flowers at the gates you know I wanted to be there for the minute silence for the, the applause on 73 minutes and I just wanted to be in and around the atmosphere um, and I just felt that like, listen that was the least I could do and and it was fantastic the atmosphere was was brilliant you know the players couldn't have wished for anything else you know it was emotional and I think every single player was hoping that they would go and put a performance out that Walter would have been proud of and the result and um, but it didn't turn out. They started the game really well. They started the uh, Joe, Joe Lewis had a couple of saves early on. They started to the go. But when you concede two two goals in the manner they did so early on, I don't care who you are, it's an uphill battle. You know, fair play for them after the second goal, you know, they rolled their sleeves up, the crowd got in behind them, and you know, they got back in the game, and it, it would have been fitting for them to go on and, and win the game after the penalty, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. Um but that it just sums up the way Rangers are just now you know very inconsistent when they need a big performance they're not getting it consistently over 90 minutes they're getting it in fits and starts um so i was disappointed but you know my overriding fa- feeling was you know i was just glad i was there to to experience yeah. it yeah, yeah. And, and you know regardless of the result it, it wasn't about that for me and maybe a lot of rangers fans maybe it was just about being there for walter last night
4: yeah and the tributes were absolutely Incredible um, as well. So at the time, uh, as Rangers were were dropping points, as they would see it, in that uh, two old draw that they came back from two down against Aberdeen last night, uh, Celtic were continuing to do what they've been doing for the last few weeks: five straight wins, and it was all very straightforward last night against Hibs at Easter Road.
2: the first half was outstanding. I thought it's probably the best football we've played all year. You know, we we scored three goals. Probably could add another three or four. Um, it was our, you know, especially away from home against good side. I thought we, we held it, handled it really well. Second half was a bit different. We had to defend a bit more. You know, they obviously had to go for the game and um, you know threw men forward and put us under a bit of pressure. But again, you know, I thought we handled it not too badly. Um, defensively, we worked hard. And you know, difficult place to come and get a result. So overall, pleased.
4: Just looking at the recent record, Leanne. Uh, five straight wins. Aberdeen at Patondry, Motherwell at Fir Park, Ferensvallas at home. It was two nil going on four or five. Uh, Saint Johnstone on their home patch and then last night where it was all done and dusted in the first half hour. That's mighty impressive, isn't it? And they've scored 11 in that spell but can maybe significantly conceded only twice.
5: Yeah, their the form is, is impressive just now. I've been at Celtic Park covering the, the games in a couple of those occasions, Rob. And you, you can see, we speak about identity all the time, you know, and I think Ange Postecoglou's identity and, and the way he wants the team to play—it's written all over that Celtic team. Now, defensively, I think they will continue to be tested over the course of the season because there's there's vulnerabilities within it, and I've spoke about that. But what they've got just now is momentum and belief and confidence in what they're being asked to do. And I think when every single player buys into that, you can accept it. In, in moments, you will be tested. Now that there's been one significant fact, well, two significant factors for me. One is Kyogo this season and the other is Joe Hart because even last night, a couple of moments, mm. he made two brilliant saves. It, probably important points in the game as well because then you, you flip it and Hibs get momentum. You know, if they get a goal at that crucial point, it changes the game. So, um... I think they're just flawless, the way that they play going forward just now. They're so exciting, so much energy, uh, especially when they play at home. You know, the the fans are absolutely loving it. To be a player on the pitch and and feel that energy must be incredible because I know, you know, sitting there as a reporter at the games at times, it's it's quite something. Um, But they're ruthless as well. You know, in goals like Rangers last season, goals were coming from all over the pitch. And Celtic have got that all over them just now. You know, everybody's popping up, contributing, set-pieces, getting on the end at Carter Vickers last night again. What a um, <laughs> touch that was for the goal, wasn't it? I know, not quite the goal that you would maybe expect him, him to be scoring from a set-piece, but incredible midfielders are chipping in, strikers are, are on form, so it's all coming together for Celtic and, and certainly they're in an impressive run of form. It's just whether they can continue that and you know, the bigger games when it comes to the old firms is where the question marks have mm. certainly been because they have put runs together, I think, over the, the last you know season but it's just not been at the right times for
4: them. We've been speaking on this show Neil for a long time about uh, a team of two halves if you like, midfield to front, dynamic, uh, at the back vulnerable, but you do look at that recent record, two goals conceded in the, in the last 5 games and you look at the league table and that tells you that Celtic uh, along with Dundee United have conceded the fewest goals in the in the Premiership. So have they sorted out that side of things? Yeah, definitely.
6: That it's obviously a concern that they've had in the past, and they're trying to put it right. And they've obviously been working on the training ground very hard um, to get that right. Because we know in Celtic and forward areas, you know, are very, very attacking. That you know they've got some excellent players who can score goals. As Liam was saying, they've got goals throughout the team, which Rangers had last year, um, and they're looking very strong right now. Um, defensively, yeah, it was a worry, but they've seemed to have sort of cleaned up their act a wee bit. Um, going back to, to Joe Hart and goalkeepers, you need a, a an excellent goalkeeper to be successful. Any team does. And if you look at teams gone by in the past where you're Al McGregor's, Craig Gordon's, if you don't have a good top, top quality goalkeeper, you, you won't be successful. And I'm a huge fan of Joe Hart, I always have been. Um when I'm a when I'm to um was down at Crystal Palace we played Man City and managed to get his jersey after the game so I've been a, I've been a big fan of Joe Hart for for a long time now and you know I did think when they signed him it was an excellent signing and you know he, he's obviously settling he's taking a wee bit of time to settle in but he's making big saves in big games and that's what the, the top goalkeepers do and I think he'll be a fantastic signing for them
4: Yeah really important uh, behind that defence which is starting to come together as well and and uh, Celtic producing now away from home what they've been doing at Celtic Park midfield to front uh, dynamic and the goals coming from right across the team
2: yeah no it was that's the most pleasing bit because we kind of knew coming here that you know it's well chronicled we haven't got a great record here and and they're a good team they had a deep in form so we knew they'd be coming out trying to stop us and the fact that we could dominate them so much away from home a good side and like I said create so many opportunities is, uh, is pleasing
4: if Celtic played Rangers tomorrow Leanne would it be Celtic for you to win the game
5: <laughs> I don't think you could ever call it an old firm oh uh, come he, on listen and Neil will back me up on this because he's a, a, an ex old firm player does form go out the window in old firm days oh yeah, not, the, not
4: that old cliche again <laughs>
5: it, genuinely though it's got to a play, one-off it's game. Got to play yeah. a factor yeah. isn't it it's like a cup final all the time but they are. I think they would absolutely give Rangers food for thought you know more so than, than what they've they've given over the last year I think there's been contests that have been, you know, zero competition within them and, and Celtic know that. That's why they've they've bounced back the way they are. But did anybody expect them, Rob, seriously to, to bounce back as quickly no. as they have and, and put it all together um, with, with as much energy and enthusiasm and, and drive and determination? And I think it's a feel-good factor about Celtic just now as well. There's been so much uh, chat off the pitch you know, boardroom's been in turmoil for the last number of, you know, probably years now, you could say. Dominic McKay leaving it. It was almost an accumulation for a while and it was problems that were just never going away. And I think the dust has settled with that and it's now focused on the on-field matters. And, you know, I think Celtic will believe that if they played Rangers tomorrow, yeah. that it would be Celtic. I think would Celtic would go game. into
6: the game more confident than Rangers. And I think they'd be the favourites with the bookies. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that whistle goes, you know, anything can happen. Is it know, and form f- 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 goes out <laughs> the window yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, honestly it does yeah. it's whoever wants it more in the day who can settle um, who gets a hold of the ball and just you know sometimes it helps if you're at Ibrox with the fans it can be sort of easier to settle into the game and you know get on the front foot um, Parkhead's very intimidating you know um, so it can be difficult if things aren't going your well so yeah I would definitely definitely say if if the game was this weekend if it was an old form this weekend Celtic would be going into it with a lot more confidence than
4: Rangers in oh. rate,
5: sorry the reality is, Rob, Rangers are top of the table. You know they've yeah. played the same amount of games. Yeah. They're in this, you know, same position. Yeah, and how, how many <laughs> gears have
4: they got to go through as well? Yes. you would, you would, reckon? you know, So
5: Rangers would probably feel that no, listen, we're we're doing okay. We're maybe yeah. just not as impressive and as ruthless as we were last season. But as far as we're concerned, nobody else is above us. So we're doing okay. And if you would rather be in any position, you'd probably rather be at the top of the table with a couple of points to spare at yeah. this point in the season.
4: On the back of uh, 2-2 for Rangers against Aberdeen last night at Ibrox, and 3-1 for Celtic against Hibs at Easter Road. Two points in it at the top of the Premiership.
3: The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's
4: go! go, 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 go. Glasgow's on Go Radio, the football show. Neil Alexander making a very impressive debut so far, the former Rangers and Hearts and Scotland goalkeeper. Going to speak to him later on about the Keenan Cup because I'm sure he's got one or two stories to tell about that particular tournament. And of course, that's been spoken a lot in the last couple of days uh, because Walter Smith was the Scotland manager at that time. Uh, His passing, of course, was announced on Tuesday at the age of 73 and it was highly emotional last night at Ibrox as Rangers came back from two down to salvage a point um, against Aberdeen at a stadium that uh, was uh, literally covered uh, with tributes to the great man. Uh, 2-2 Rangers last night, uh, 3-1 Celtic at Easter Road, uh, Ross County scoring five in Dundee among the most uh, eyebrow raising of results I guess all season long so Leanne Crichton, uh, Neil Alexander Rob McLean and let's talk to Craig and Cumbernauld, hi Craig Oh hi uh, Rob,
8: Leanne and Neil, how you doing? Hi, Good okay.
4: thank you, how's yourself?
8: I no bad, no bad, a bit disappointed um, I must admit uh, I think I think just for everybody with the emotion of yesterday, you know everybody was looking for the team to go and put in a performance and and give us all a lift, um, you know, to to pay tribute to the, the great man that we mm. sadly lost earlier this week. And unfortunately, as has been the case far too often this season, um, the team just didn't do that. You know, um, we have to remember this is an Aberdeen team who are stuck together with sticky tape, really. You know what I mean? You've got two centre midfielders playing as centre backs last night, and we couldn't really trouble them all game. That's that's a deep worry for me because. We've thrown away six points now over the last four home games we've played. You know, it's hard enough playing these teams away from home. You know, when you look at who they've dropped points to, Hearts, Motherwell, Aberdeen, all games we're going to have to go away and play now, one of them on Sunday. That's hard enough. So when you give them points at home, you're just giving yourself a a real mountain to climb. Um, And when you look at Celtic being in the ascendancy, there's now just two points separating us. And before we kick a ball, Celtic can be top of the league. So something's got to change. Um, what it is, I don't know. Because the manager, you know, Stevie G, utmost don't much respect for him, but he comes out and says the same things every week now and nothing's changing. He keeps saying we need to learn this lesson and that lesson and he needs to work hard on the training ground. But we've been hearing that for weeks and we're still dropping points. I don't think they've put together three, four wins in a row all season after yep. last year. So it is a real disappointing. It feels worse because of the, the circumstances surrounding it as well last night.
4: Yeah, and it did. It did seem going into it that that there was the distinct possibility that Rangers would run all over Aberdeen when you looked at uh, the absence of uh, the two young fullbacks, uh, Ramsey and McKenzie, who have been among their best players this season. Um, the fact that Andy Considine and Michael Devlin are long-term absentees, and Declan Gallagher uh, missing as well, so an entire back five. W- was missing Leanne, and and I guess the expectation was Rangers would really home in on a weak area in the Aberdeen team.
5: Mm, absolutely, and I think that's why Craig is, is sounding as disappointed as he is. Uh, that was the questions I asked last night, you know, watching the game and the highlights. I just thought, you know, if you were Rangers tonight and, and take everything else away from the game at, around Walter just for a minute, um, if you were analysing an Aberdeen team to really go and get at them. I think Rangers got their game plan totally wrong because they didn't do enough to test that Aberdeen backline. Putting Scott Brown in there alongside David Bates and, and Ross McCrory, I think it was an easy night for them. You know, I, I think if you were Scott Brown last night with they potentially going to Ibrox and under the circumstances with the magnitude of the game based on the performances that Aberdeen have produced in the run that they had been on that had only, you know, came to a halt days before... With the injury concerns that they've got, I think you could have been slightly concerned. I know, as a defensive midfielder going in at a centre-back area at Ibrooks, I would be slightly concerned. It didn't pan out that way. You know, I think Scott Brown had probably won his best performances Mm -hmm. and certainly an Aberdeen jersey. Anyway, he made the game look very simple, which he does, because that's the quality of a player that he is. But when you look at the strength and depth that that Rangers side should have had, they didn't ask enough questions. And that's why I think Rangers supporters today will be disappointed and. Everything around the game last night, when you look at it over the course and, and you won't know until you look back over the course of the season at the points that were dropped and, and what what games were significant and not because you usually can narrow that down, you know, what cost is mm. or, or what was the change in the this season, Um, where did we go in that run, where did that start? It could either be a point gained that's absolutely vital coming for two goals down in that environment, an emotional situation, a tough couple of days for everybody associated with the club. Um, they could have picked up no points last night and it really would have been a disaster and a tough place to be um, the following day. Whereas it's it's a point gained, it's another point on the board, still top of the table. Um, certainly the dynamical change at the weekend because Celtic do play obviously before and, and it's their turn to then pile the pressure on. But... I just think there's there's perhaps an inconsistency about Rangers just now that they need to find answers to because as much as we've said they're top of the table and, you know, form is is temporary, you know, it it needs to kinda start to look better, I think, and, and reassure mm. the Rangers fans yeah. that have backed them for as long as they have. They can, sorry,
6: so they can only say that for so long as well. Once they they come off the top of the table, then they've got yeah, no excuse. And yeah. after that you can't keep coming back and saying, Well they're top of the table, so they're okay. Um Listen, players don't go out to play poor. You know, Leanne knows that herself.
4: Um, Was there something something one-dimensional about Rangers last night? Yeah, possibly, yeah. Yeah, I think the the way that Aberdeen shaped up, especially
6: with the first goal, was so disappointing. You know, Aberdeen pressed them high. and You've got to have two or three options. You can't just keep doing the same thing. And Rangers like to kind of do the same pattern over and over again, and that's how they like to get out. But they've got to have two or three different outballs, you know. I was screaming. Calvin Bassey was in miles of space in the left back position. I was screaming, just to clip it into him, and he could drive forward into so much space, and you know. But no, but they're confident in doing what they do, and nine times out of ten, they do get they get out of jail doing it, and they do it very well. Mm. And um, they got caught last night, you know, and and it it just seemed to drain the confidence from a lot of the players, especially at the back, um, and a night like last night with the emotion that's not the start they wanted they wanted to be positive they wanted to get the first goal get the crowd behind them I and mean, then go and put a, a fantastic performance on and, and the players would have wanted to have done that you know they they would know what it meant last night and as, as I said before no one goes out to play bad Um, but I think Steven Geller would be slightly concerned about the form because I just felt last night that there was not one Rangers player that I thought got past March last night and that's worrying I thought they were poor all round there wasn't one or two that, that stood out that, that just struggled all round.
4: One big positive, Craig, it struck me last night uh, and he took a lot of stick in the course of the evening as well was uh, James Tavernier sinking that penalty nine minutes from time. That was massive pressure, wasn't it, the score there?
8: Oh, it was huge pressure. There's there no question about it. You know, he had already made a you know an absolute home career mistake for, you know, typically Scott Brown of all people to get in with the the header, um, and he really needed that to redeem himself. Um, it's unfortunate that we didn't kick on after that and really put the, you know, the, the pressure on Aberdeen to try and get a winner. But it was a huge goal and it's it a huge moment of the game. And I, I just think sometimes we're causing our own difficulties because, you know, you look at the, the first goal they score, and, and this is where I have to go back to the manager and the coaching team. Connor Goldson doesn't decide himself. I'm going to take this goal kick. That's an instruction from the manager and the coaching team. To do that, That's something they're working on in the training ground clearly. But the problem comes When you're doing that against a team like Aberdeen Who actually had a high press on you, And there was absolutely not one Rangers player In the back line Who wasn't marked by an Aberdeen player So as soon as you pay, play the pass You're under pressure straight away in your own box And that's, that's something we can't do Especially when you're not playing particularly well um, I must also say That one of the things I, I, I didn't like about last night I understand players wasting time, that happens in football games, it's, it's the nature of it. But in a world where we all talk about head injuries and their seriousness and that, what I didn't like was a number of Aberdeen players going down feigning head injuries so the referee would stop the game. You know, That's a, a serious injury, When I mean, you're feigning that just to get the game stopped. That to me goes beyond a bit of gamesmanship because they know the ref has no choice but to stop it. So that was an unfortunate side effect, however if we played better it might not have mattered. Um, but I think that has to come through, as I say, the, the tactics and the way we're playing. Clearly, just clear your line. there, punt at the Rose head. It doesn't matter. You know, take your second chance to build up instead of trying to overplay too often.
4: And it became a massive uphill struggle, Neil, didn't it? When you when you go two down so early on, and um, well, this was Stephen Gerrard uh, talking about the
1: concession of those two goals conceded two really poor goals in the first 10 minutes and gave ourselves an even bigger challenge than we had before the game. So can't keep conceding goals first in games of football at this level, otherwise it's going to be a lot a lot more difficult for us. First goal's a gift from our point of view. You know, Aberdeen haven't really had to work that hard to score against us in terms of the first one. And then obviously we concede from a set piece by losing a man and, and not winning your individual duel. So two goals are very disappointing and frustrating and that's the reason why we haven't got the result we want.
4: And Scott Brown weighed in with a with a diving header um, and uh, a little bit of taunting of the Rangers fans uh, on the back of that second goal where did you think the game was going at that point Neil? Nowhere good from a Rangers point of view 2-0 down you know so early
6: on two gifts of goals as Steven Gerrard said very poor the confidence looked drained from all the players um, but listen positives the players showed a lot of character you know it's it's, it's tough men- the tough mentality of playing And that emotion in front of such a big crowd with the expectancy, um, no, you've got to give the Rangers credit. They got back in the game. They got Tavernier's bit of quality from the free kick, great header from Malellis, gets them back in the game, gets the crowd up. Second half, it was all Rangers. You know, Aberdeen came with a game plan and they done it really well. They frustrated the life out of Rangers. Every opportunity they had to time waste, go down, just slow the game down and stop Rangers' momentum because they were gaining momentum. And, And the goal was coming... You know, obviously they got lucky with the penalty, and and expected with that momentum, Rangers to maybe go on and get a third, or at least put Joe uh, Joe Lewis under a bit more pressure. That was maybe the most disappointing thing after they got the second. They didn't really cause it. I mean, Aberdeen killed the game at every opportunity, so it was maybe difficult. So,
4: you know, yeah, credit, hey, credit to Aberdeen back, for that. that yeah, just briefly, Craig, please. We're heading for the news. Yeah, just
8: very quickly to say that because when you were senior there to get and news opinion, on it teams killing games happens all the time and that's what Aberdeen were doing because obviously even though they were 2-0 up they were celebrating a draw at Ibrox like they had won the league so that's the mentality they have but I wonder what their feeling is and what I was talking about I don't like players feigning head injuries go yeah. down and feign a leg injury fine but feigning head injuries which is a serious matter we're trying to deal with it at grassroots try to you know, stop headers outside the box I just I think it's very ugly yeah. when I see that because it, it I just, I, okay. Well, I'm gonna, going
4: Craig, I'm gonna ask them uh, that very question on the back of the, the news. So, thanks for your call. Uh, good to hear you, good to have you on the show as ever. Take care of yourself. Cheers, cheers, yes. Craig. And, uh, not happy, uh, in all sorts of ways about last night. And we'll get uh, Leanne's and Neil's uh, reaction to what he was talking about there, um, about Aberdeen's time wasting tactics after the news at six.
0: fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.
3: The Go Radio Football Show with TheTaxiCentre.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to The Taxi Trade. Let's go! Go! go.
4: Is the balance of power shifting in Scottish football? Five straight wins for Celtic, including the European victory against Ferenc Varos. And in terms of league points, it means that they've moved to within two of Rangers at the top of the table. Uh, Hearts and Dundee United on 21. So three points covering the top four at the moment in the top flight off the back of Rangers to Aberdeen two last night. And uh, Celtic winning 3-1 at Easter Road, Dundee 0, Ross County 5, Livingston 1, Dundee 1, Motherwell 2, St Mirren 2, St Johnston 1, Hearts 1. Well, let's get that question from Craig before the news answered. Um, you, like me, were at, uh, at the game, Neil Alexander. Um, were Aberdeen guilty of over-the-top time-wasting last night?
6: Aberdeen were very clever. Very clever, and what they did, obviously, they had a game plan. They wanted to frustrate Rangers. They wanted to see the game out, stop Rangers' momentum. Any opportunity they had to go down and kill the game. And listen, there's sometimes the ref will play on, but if if the red seems to think it's a head knock, he'll immediately stop the game. You know that's his, That's in the rules. Um, there was I did notice a couple of Aberdeen players pointing to the ref to their heads as if it was a head knock when it may not have been. Um, so, the ref's got to take their word for it and he's got to stop the game. It's very frustrating. It was a frustrating night for the Rangers fans, the Rangers players, because it was very stop start. Um, but Aberdeen done it well. You know, they came and, and they frustrated the life out of Rangers. And it was very difficult for Rangers to get any momentum at the end of the game because there was a lot of stoppages. I say five added minutes on, and then there was a stoppage in that as well for about a minute and a half. So, it was de- very difficult and sometimes as a player you can lose focus you're that busy arguing with the ref and the linesman that you can you can lose your focus on the game and what you're trying to achieve and you know I think maybe the Aberdeen players done well to get at the Rangers players
4: you know. L- lots of talking points certainly off the back of the game, uh, one big talking point of course around that penalty decision but uh, lots of g- controversy and lots of uh, talking points in lots of other games last night, um, incredible number of goals in the games last night, Motherwell 2, St Mirren 2 at Fowler Park, let's get Hugh in on the conversation, a Motherwell fan, hi Hugh.
9: Hi, good evening everyone, how are we? Thank, we're, you, thank
4: you. We're well thanks, yourself okay?
9: Excellent, yeah, yeah, doing well, just leaving work, well, just safe work. So, uh, first of all, I, I just obviously wanted to pass my condolences on to Walworth's family. And it was a nice touch with the Mallow fans last night, and obviously, some Murn fans. I think everybody done that. I've not had a chance to see the highlights as yet. Um, but it, I know it's, it was a little funny thing last night. I don't mean to say it funny in an inappropriate way, but there was a gentleman obviously three or four seats away from me, had his daughter with him, and his daughter must have been a six year old. And she was saying, Dad, what's happening? So it was really nice out. Just like, you know what, there's something that a child is unaware about mm. this nice touch and I thought, you know what, was Smith would probably be laughing at that. So yeah. I uh, hope what Smith rests in peace. Perfect gentleman. Yeah. I've never met the guy but just listening to am really, really really saddened to hear about it. So condolences to his family and obviously Rangers itself. Um, on the note of referees.
4: Were you uh, happy with the referee last
9: night, Hugh? I, I'm just about to talk about the <laughs> <Bobby Madden>. volume <laughs> <laughs> Um, a few of his decisions, even before the penalty incident, was astonishing, and I'm talking about for both clubs, not just Mon. And I'm not coming on here for Sue Graves because we got a penalty against us; we should have won the game, we didn't win the game. But he's, I think it makes it all about him and not about the game, and that's a sad thing to see. I mean, if I, if I don't do my job properly. I would get sacked, get disciplined, and I think, the, I was on a couple of weeks ago, though, obviously speaking, I don't really remember, um, about the arts game that we mm-hmm. had, yep. and with two penalties given against us. The second one was an absolute atrocious decision. Uh, the first one I couldn't understand, because Liam Kelly's probably gave the referee an option because the way he's went down, which I still don't think it was a penalty, but again, um, and last night, even after the penalty incident, I said, as I said before, I've not physically actually seen the highlights, because uh, I start working at half four in the morning, so when I came into the game last night, it was straight to bed and straight back out this morning. Mm. Uh, but I have recorded them so well. But I've seen screenshots of when Brophy hit the penalty. And Liam Kelly's right foot, uh, plain playing as day, is on the line. His left foot isn't because he's obviously in motion. Neil, I understand that. I was a goalkeeper. You obviously get your leg up so you can actually push from your other leg. Yeah. So he's, his left leg's in motion to go. And his right foot is there. And I could understand why Liam Kelly was going mental last night. And I'm talking about five, ten minutes after the incident as well. He was still shouting and balling at the lines and gone. And I can understand that. That's frustrating. Now, with supporters and clubs, those decisions are massive to clubs. Yeah. Now, I was on, obviously, the other week asking, where do we go with referees? Is VAR going to help? Because with VAR, it's the same guys making the decisions on the park that's controlling VAR. So they're going to make the same mistakes. And this is the things that we, we need to help referees whether we make them full time, so they don't have any other jobs. They just can sit. That is your job. You're a full time referee like they do in England. Now, whether we can afford that, I don't know. But it's now getting to the stage where I'm coming away frustrated. We're all human, and I think it's made an error. But seeing it's happening week in week out, you think this isn't an error anymore. This is just my opinion. Incompetence, or just that th- they just don't know what they're doing basically. Well, well let, let's I'm not saying let, let's.
4: Yeah, I know what you're saying. Let, let, let's get uh, let's get Neil's thought then um, as the goalkeeping expert on um, that penalty being retaken. What did you think, Neil? I felt
6: very sorry for Liam Kelly, to be honest, because it was a phenomenal penalty save and I can understand why Liam would be so angry. I think th- the laws nowadays are making it harder for goalkeepers to save penalties. Um, if you do save a penalty, you're always looking at the ref before you can celebrate, question it, did I do everything right? It's so difficult and it's so in favour of the striker, almost like if the striker misses, oh, we'll give you another chance. They're desperate for you to score. Um, you know, I felt I felt very sorry for Liam. Yeah, he does take a, a, a fairly big step with his left foot, but that's just how you dive. That's how you get your power. You know, you
4: kind of. It's can like, it's like jumping angle. for a header when you use your arms, isn't yeah, it? of course. You, know, you
6: can't. That's just it's technique. Yeah. You know, you try and power yourself to to your left to dive, and it's difficult to stay in the line and dive that way because you've got the post, so you've obviously got to dive outwards. So you need to take that little step and then push. So I can see what Liam's done. I do think his his right foot is either on the line or very close to the line, so I think he should have been given the benefit of the doubt. I think they made the decision very, very quickly to retake it. Um, And I think they've they've judged that on his left foot, stepping out. But um, you know, with my goalkeeper's union hat on, you know, I feel very sorry for Liam it was a fantastic save and he had a fantastic night he made some great saves and he's been a fantastic um, player for um, for Motherwell in the last couple of seasons
4: Leanne how did you see it?
5: Really really harsh Rob um, you know I can feel Hugh's pain in the sense that it would have been a massive result again for, for Motherwell last night if they'd held out and get the three points it uh, would have been you know another step in the right direction because I think there's been really positive signs this season with the way the team's performed and the types of results. I think it's a brave decision from the assistant referee. Now I don't know who it was last night. that was alongside Bobby Madden. So it's not Bobby Madden that's made that decision. He's relying on his assistant referee that's looking along the line. Mm. I think to make that call with the naked eye, because it wasn't clear. Watching it back, the amount of times I've watched it back, it's not clear. So without stopping it, freezing it, Zooming in, looking at the angle, the way I was exposed to at the World Cup when we faced the exact same problem mm-hmm. when Lee Alexander came off her line when VAR was just introduced. Yeah. It took six minutes that night to work out if Lee's foot had left the line as the ball was kicked. So it's an incredible decision to make. I don't think we've seen one at this season, for sure. The same type of decision. I don't recall one last season where the assistant referee makes a brave call like that. I think the the goalkeepers are doing everything in their power not to be punished. I said at the time when that happened to Lee, we're virtually making it impossible, especially for female goalkeepers that have got a height disadvantage, you know, sometimes five foot seven, five foot eight Mm -hmm. in a twelve foot goal. To ask them to stand still on the line with no Trajectory at all across the line—it's incredible. Anyway, leaving on and saved a fair number of penalties in the shootouts in Champions League last night, uh, last yeah, season. So, it's not impossible, but it's certainly an advantage to the striker. I thought it was really, really harsh. I think you can tell with Liam Kelly when he jumps up in the surprise and his reaction because yeah. he's not trying to gain an advantage. he's saved penalties already this season. He's a top goalkeeper. You can look at the way he moves around that goal. He doesn't need an advantage on the line. Um, and you could see how delighted Brophy was that he was getting a second attempt. he couldn't get the ball and quick enough th- and back I think on the spot from
6: where probably the, the linesman was situated he's probably seen Liam step out with his left foot to take off mm-hmm. and that's probably what's caught his eye more than anything and it is obvious that he does take a step forward but you've got to look at his trailing foot his right foot was that still on the line if that was still on the line then it should have been a
5: because what I would need to check in terms of the laws of the game as well is that what he might have done, Liam Kelly, is that his foot has come off the line and back on the line by the time the ball's hit. You would never be able to see that with your eye, no. watching that in real time. You would need to slow that down and look at it, because to be able to watch two things, one is the assistant referee, the ball being struck at the same time the goalkeeper's foot leaves the line. That's why we've got VAR. So, Going back to Hugh's point about referees, which by the way, I'll cut them a lot of slack, because a number of years, a couple of seasons ago now, I was fortunate enough to go and spend the day with them. There was a bit of a referee documentary and I found that really enlightening because one, they're no full-time. Two, they don't have VAR. They don't have a lot of even the same camera angles now for us to scrutinise their performance after the game. There are a lot of men and women that literally give everything to the job on top of another job that they do. See until the point in Scotland that we one, make them full-time and two, get the resources to actually support them We'll never know if it's inconsistency, Mm. um, you know, benefit of the doubt. Is it intentional? Which there's so much scrutiny around them. And I think that's been heightened this season to the point that there's probably a lot of harsh criticism because I don't think referees, the same as players, go out to have a bad performance. I don't think they go out with a hidden agenda. I genuinely think that they go out to do their job to the best of their ability. Now listen, I've come up against some terrible referees in the game and I find it really hard at times to bite my tongue. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's any real intent. Just some people are better at their job than others.
4: Yeah. Hugh, Le- Leon mentioned the key word there, consistency, because, uh, I mean, Liam Kelly uh, would be OK with it last night if the same happened in every similar incident in every other game. That You know, if, if we knew that there was that consistency in decision-making, then you would, you would just accept it. But the suspicion, I guess, uh, for him and for you would be that this has happened in other games and the penalty hasn't been retaken.
9: Well, exactly. Obviously, Neil and, uh, Leanne had hit the nail in the head saying, like Leanne obviously mentioned uh, about Lee Alexander obviously as well, when she was playing that, it took them six minutes to make a decision. That was made straight away. Now, there's no way that naked eye can make that decision. No no chance. You have got to be 100% sure. Not 999 one hundred percent. Yeah, he's came off his line before that bolter, and I, I don't care what the guy says. He cannot come out and say I, I can genuinely say that's correct. Uh, there was also a decision with Bob, and I do agree with there as well. I don't think they go to make a bad game, and it is there. And you were saying there as well, Rob. They are so inconsistent. You get it in one game, you don't get it in the next game. You think what? What are they getting taught here? Mm-hmm. What are they getting instructed? What are they getting coached? There was a two-footed challenge from McAllister when we get in. From where I'm I sitting, David Cooper, right behind the goals. So I'm looking across the park and I could see it. And no wonder um, Graham Alexander was going mental uh,
10: and he'd even get
9: booked for his. Because he, uh, he says it was, uh, reading his comments, says it was a two footed challenge. Now that's right in front of the dugout, right in front of the fourth official. Surely they must be helping the referees out as well here. And all M- M- McAllister got was a yellow card, you're thinking. I mean, you, you go look at the challenges from Porteous the other week there, a the red card. You then go and look at a Rebo's last week, who was a straight leg, and that, mm, nothing happened to it. And you think this is the reason why we have to go and support referees to make sure they've got all the tools that they need to make the best decision possible, and it's consistent across the board. That's why I say fans are so frustrated with it because you get it one week, you don't get it next week, and you think, well, what can we do now? So that that's all it was, just to see what we could do with referees.
4: Mm. And help I
5: think them. what doesn't help with that either, Hugh, is that for me, you know, in those moments, if I, I speak a bit. My game, for example. So I was, you know, a penalty was awarded in a game a couple of weeks ago. I felt it should have been a red card. The boot was high. It was Is this a mother will love it? It was the deemed way. an attempt to play the ball, which I, you know, I can accept that. I think in that moment, fine. If the referee judges it one way, it's given, you go with it, the game goes on. You don't play. Ble- Again, sour grapes can speak of that. It wasn't for us. We won the game. It wasn't an issue. Um, things played out okay. I don't think there's enough maybe support for the referees that follow these games. I don't think there's enough even retrospective action that you go and balance the course with challenges that are happening across the league. And I think that's a huge issue in the women's game. I don't even think anybody looks at any of the challenges ever in the women's game after they've happened. So you're basically relying on three people that day to get their decision right, and there's no feedback beyond that. I don't think that's good enough.
4: In an effort, Hugh, to to cheer you up, um, about the Motherwell men's team, um, are, you, are you happy with where the team is? Would, would you would you have taken this? Um, obviously, all teams have played eleven games now, um, so you've played everybody, uh, and you're sitting in sixth place on fifteen points. Would you have taken that if it had been offered to you before the season started?
9: Oh, definitely. Obviously, you you, you want to make sure you're realistically middle to top half of the table. That that's your aim at the beginning of the season now. Um, I know Alan Burrows very well and I know obviously the, the remit for Graeme Alexander was last year it was basically keep us in the league and he done that so he's obviously brought his own players in and you can see a massive difference uh, some weeks have clicked see the, the first half last night and I think both teams will agree with it and I, I don't know if you were there Leanne or seen it. the first half was shocking and I'm I'm obviously sitting there going I can't believe what I'm watching because both teams were the poorest I've ever seen them mm. when you go and watch St. Man the previous week against Rangers and you think, right, I know Mullows are through, the, through the, the bad three games that we had, we're not gonna defeat. but we're still playing all right, uh, we've still got to win. So we're, we're still playing okay, we're creating chances, but lift. the first 45 minutes last night, you'd have better not been there for the first 45 and go to the second half. You'd have seen some... Honestly, that, that's how I felt last night, I thought. I've rushed all the way back to work, done this, done that, and I've came here. And the first, honestly, the, the, and the first half dragged in. <laughs> you think, is that only 45 minutes? Feels like an hour and a half. You sometimes but, yeah, just I'm, get I'm, games gonna, like
5: that, Hugh. Well, she, I can I ask you a quick question that's whilst, right. yeah. whilst you're on? What's your thoughts on Tony Watt this season? And there's a lot of chat around should Steve Clark be looking at him and considered for the, the national team? What's your thoughts about it?
9: Well, I, I did see obviously a few weeks on here that um, I think he should be considered. And I think it was Barry I was talking to. Yeah. And Barry says obviously will give him a couple of a, a more a couple more months and if he's still doing it and still doing it. But Leanne, you'll know and obviously I think Robin knows well if you've seen it. I don't know about as well but his work rate it's phenomenal. He yep. never stops running. He always puts in a shift. And even last night he's chasing the ball down and he's turned round at Golery and uh, sl- uh, Slattery in the middle of the park and he's given him a rollicking for mm-hmm. doping up with him. him us yeah. No, and, you're right. And, and you see them you see him going mental and I thought, no what? All I want, I don't care if you don't support Mallow, But you pull on a Mallow jersey like hey, not fan, if you pull on your club's jersey, just give me hundred mm-hmm. percent. Just give me everything you've got. Go away and go and do you want to do and go and support who you want to support and have a good family life. But it, just do everything you can for the club. And uh, that's what Tony does. I can I can't say I've ever seen him not putting any effort in.
5: No, he certainly has a minute. Having him higher up the pitches is is certainly helping him get higher up and and squeezing the game and he's trying to get on the end of everything. I think he's been a joy to watch this season.
4: And I think he's certainly going to be in uh, Stevie Clark's thoughts uh, with that uh, squad coming up and with a suspension, of course, for Lyndon Dykes. Hugh, good to hear from you. Thanks very much. Take care, guys. Cheers, All the best.
3: The Go Radio Football Show with the TaxiCenter.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go.
4: Go, 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 go! It's Neil Alexander, Leanne Crichton and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre on a Thursday. Uh, talking football uh, for the next half hour. We've been doing it for the last hour and a half on the back of some... Uh, Pretty incredible results uh, last night. Uh, Leon, maybe none more so than Dundee 0, Ross County 5. Davey Proven did drop a hint last night that he thought Ross County might uh, be about to get a big result. They certainly did.
5: Yeah, uh, unbelievable. I couldn't honestly believe my my eyes and ears when I, I listened to the scores coming in and even watched the highlights back last night. It was quite the performance from Ross County, but no, Davey was, was right in what he was saying that he, he could feel that a result like that was, was brewing because... Ross County have been really good in attack. You know, they've scored, I think, in in most games. It's defensively, the the types of goals that they've conceded. Um, You know, I think especially one game, it was either two or three goals they'd scored at home and and they still lost the game. So you felt like they were going in the right direction. But I I mean, I I don't know how James McPake begins to to analyse and assess that performance of his team because losing 5-0 at Dens Park on any occasion is never acceptable, let alone to a team bottom of the league.
4: I hope Davy probably made a small investment uh, in that <laughs> prediction uh, last night because uh, that was uh, that was some result, and I don't think uh, too many people uh, saw it coming. Uh, a point for uh, Dundee United uh, last night um, at Livingston, and it's been some start to the season. Neil Alexander for uh, Dundee United, you were goalkeeping coach there for for three years and until the summer there. Um, they're having an amazing season under Tam Courts, and I don't think too many people saw it coming.
6: No, they've, listen, they've got a fantastic group of boys. There. Boys, honest boys, who work very, very hard, who want to improve, and will give everything they've got to the manager. Um, and they started. I don't think anyone expected um, where they are in the league. I think it's very surprising. But credit to them, I think they've been fantastic. You know, they've been a bit a breath of fresh air. You know, just getting them back in the premiership was was huge. Um, back where they belong, you know, a huge club done united. And, you know, Tam's come in and he's he's done it his way in fair play to him, you know. Um he's inherited a good group of boys, as I said before, and he's added to it and he's added some good players. Um and they've they've done fantastically well. You know, I thought they would have gone on and won the game last night after they send it off just before half time I thought that would have given them a huge boost. Um, and they're probably disappointed not to go away with three points the, the way they're playing just now but um, Livingston's a hard place to go very very hard place to go and um, you know David Martindale's got them got them playing well they defend really really well you know make it very hard um, very resolute at the back and um, you know I probably a, a good point for both to be yeah. fair as I said it's a hard place to go and down, down to 10 men from a Livingston point of view they would have probably taken a point at that point
4: Three years for you as goalkeeping coach. Um, how did that end? Why did it end? Well, it didn't end well for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, listen. Um, because you're working, you were working with a great goalkeeper, a top, yeah, top goalkeeper there, I, in Benji I, Seagree
6: I, I thoroughly enjoyed working with the, all the goalkeepers there every day. You know, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed the three years there. Felt I, I made a, a big difference to Big Benjamin, um, and he's gone on to do fantastic. Probably one of the best goalkeepers in the in the Scottish Premiership. Um, great guy, works extremely hard. He's a joy to a joy to coach. Um, got the opportunity when I when I was at Livingston to to step out of the game and start my coaching career, which I thought was a fantastic opportunity. It went really well for three years, had a quite a bit of success. Obviously got the playoff final the first year, got beat on penalties, uh, won, won the won the championship the second year, and then we had a, a decent season. Um, in our first year back in the premises under Mickey Mellon, which he was a fantastic manager to work under as well, really enjoyed that. But the club wanted to go in a different direction, brought in, in obviously Tam Courts. Um, it could have gone two ways, but um, you know it's it's gone extremely well for them. Yeah, and I'm delighted for the players, and I'm delighted for Big Benji as well. You know, he delivers a lot of success with the work that he puts in. And as I said before, delighted for the players, a great 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 group of guys
4: it would seem a strange decision though because um Sigrist is such a, an admired goalkeeper and you must have played a a big part in in uh, making him what he has turned out to be so so why the change
6: you're asking the wrong person
4: i can't i can't really comment
6: um listen it's a, it's a it's a difficult one for me to comment on um i really enjoyed my time there um and it was a it was a it was a huge surprise to me um, at the time I'd, I'd, I'd agreed a new contract to the club um, and then things changed so listen that's football it happens unfortunately for me it, it was disappointing and I'm in a scenario which I'm not used to now being after of,
4: 26 years yeah. after
6: 26 years I've been in the game obviously without a club now and, and still looking but I'm, I'm hoping
4: If anyone's listening, you're (laughs) you're available. (laughs) Yeah, I am
6: available, yeah. Hopefully there's there's light at the end of the tunnel and I'll get back to coaching very soon.
4: Yeah, let's hope so. Very impressive uh, CV. Neil Alexander, Leanne Crichton, Rob McLean, the Go Radio Football Show. And we've got Taylor, who's a Rangers fan. Hi, Taylor. Hi, yeah. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm
10: doing well. Good. A bit disheartened, I'm doing well.
4: After last night?
10: Last night, but most specifically the entire season, because I think it's been coming. I think if you look back to the the window, we weakened ourselves instead of strengthening. Not on. I, I understand not signing them, but most specifically the defensive situation. Me and my dad said all season, if you're going to run out Catterick and you're going to sell Edmonton, we would need to bring in another centre half because it's evident that he doesn't trust Jack Simpson. We've not done that. We've only had four defenders, four centre-backs. One of them's injured. Balligan is playing through an injury, I think you would assume, because he keeps picking him up. So now we've only got Goldson, fully fit, who's his, held, his head is a little bit elsewhere, but like just with a new contract. And you've got Bassey covering in. we have deliberately weakened us out, and I don't understand why when we shown last year defence wins your titles.
4: Have Rangers missed a trick, Neil Alexander, and not uh, bringing in another central defender, as um, as Taylor says? Listen, I totally
6: agree with Taylor, and I see where he's coming from. But it's difficult to comment because
4: you don't know what's happening
6: behind the scenes with the manager. You don't know if he, if there's funds available, if the players that he wants are available. You know, it's it's not difficult. It's it's sorry, it is difficult making a signing because you might have five or six targets, and you might not be able to get them targets, and the the targets might want more money than you're willing to pay and there are things that happen behind the scenes that make it difficult to get the signing that you want everything all the boxes have got to be ticked for it to happen now there might have been players where Stephen well, you know I might bring him in but he's wanting too much money or I'm just not 100% convinced that he'll do a job at this club so I'm just going to leave it and I'm going to trust the boys that I've got just now and I would imagine it'll be something they'll be looking to definitely address in January you know hopefully Stephen will be getting funds available you know, he's not had a lot to spend, um, as has been well documented. Um, but it's definitely a area of concern for him, and it, I think it'll be something that will be it will be on his top of his list to address.
4: But I guess he would have expected Jack, Jack Simpson to have come in, Leanne, uh, and made an impact, and uh, clearly that's not worked.
5: No, and that's that is football at times. You know, you you sign players in good intentions with you know as much scrutiny that goes around it, and you don't know what that recruitment drive looks like at clubs. You know, you sift through the amount of players that you will look at, you'll filter that down, you'll then narrow that down again, you're looking at the strengths and weaknesses of that player, what they can offer, You know how many injuries have they picked up, how many performances, how many 90 minutes have they had, how much experience. You know, there's so many things go into signing a player, so it's not just a case of you know identifying a big name now and going, you will take them, because that's not the type of market that Rangers are, are operating within now. Um, you're having to look through endless amounts of players, so some of them come and they hit the ground running, and others come and they don't. And I think both sides of the old firm have, have seen that in recent seasons. None more so than Steven Gerrard, I think, these first two seasons. There was, you know, it was like conveyor belt of players yeah. that were coming in and out. Loan signings that came for Liverpool and other English clubs that, you know, X amount of appearances, no good enough, sent back, you know, to their parent club. So, yeah, Simpson's probably a player that they maybe would have expected more from. I think Katic, there was an honest answer with regard to that, that, they didn't believe that he was in a position to remain at Rangers just now, that the most important thing for Nikola Katic to get back up to match speed was to go and be guaranteed minutes and, and have the opportunity to play in a less a less pressurised environment, I think, than coming in as a Ranger centre-back, which I think Neil will agree is quite a tough place to come, especially off the back of an ACL injury. So um, defensively, Rangers, there's been questions asked. I think there's a bit of unrest around Goldson. I think we spoke about that in one mm. of the, the shows gone by in recent weeks. That, again, is off-field matters. You don't expect that to affect performances, though, on the pitch. Not when you've come off the back of a successful season like Rangers did last year. So if there is any unrest like that, it's it's down to the management group and, and the core group of players in Ibrooks to sort that out so that when you cross that white line, it's never an issue. But I think the reality is that their top performers this season are not performing as well as they can. That's the long and short of it. It's not, you, you can find a number of other reasons... But the reality is, if that group of players that took to the pitch last night perform well and they perform as well as they possibly can, it's a different subject matter today.
4: Taylor, you're obviously concerned about how this season is shaping at the moment, yeah?
5: Yeah. What I agree with Jan in terms of form,
10: but see, regardless of performance, I'm more concerned with the shape and the Mm -hmm. structure of the team. We have not been present in anywhere near the same manner as we did last season. And if you look at last season, our biggest asset throughout the entire season with the fact if one player came out, the same player would go in and do the same job structurally, maybe not to the same effect, like end product-wise. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that. Even last night, I was at the game. So Morelos would go and press the goalkeeper.
1: You no. know, he would initiate the
10: press. None of the rest of the team would follow them. They would all drop back. So it's just all distracting. Aberdeen are playing friends, It should not happen. I understand that it's a good team. They've been playing better than the results show, but we should not be allowing them to play through our press, which has been our biggest asset.
4: Yeah, I mean it's it's a that's a it's a really good point that isn't it, that the contrast to this season, Neil, and last season where Stephen Gerrard could do whatever he wanted really with the team, make changes and, and whoever came in slotted in seamlessly.
6: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very good point about the pressing because I remember being with Dungeon United last year and we're going to Ibrox and they were like the red arrows. There was times and we liked to try and play out the back and we wanted to go there and, and, and show what we could do and we didn't want to change our style just because we were going to Ibrox. So we liked to play it from the back and, and the, the high press was so difficult. So the second time we went to Ibrox, we just kicked it long. You know, it was one of them. We, we couldn't handle it. And yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Rangers have stopped doing the basics. You know, the hard work that comes goes without saying. When you run that pitch, you run harder, faster, more than the opposition and there is times where you see they're not pressing teams as high up now Aberdeen came to Ibrox and done it last night and Rangers struggled and made the mistake and cost the first goal I never saw Rangers doing that when Aberdeen had a goal kick mm. you know getting on top getting in your face make it hard because Ibrox is a hard place to play you know if you've got you know 11 or 10 blue shirts running at you making it hard giving you no time on the ball you're going to give the ball away and Rangers are going to they're going to dominate the game and they're going to punish you 9 times out of 10 and that's just not been happening
5: the personnel's changed, though, like over the course as well. I and mean, When you go back to how well they, they pressed last season, there was energy, and we've spoken tonight about players that are missing. Ryan Kent's a huge miss when you talk about both sides of the game. Now, I think Ryan Kent's numbers could be better in terms of his goals and his assists at times, but I think the energy and the outlet that he offers you and the ability to go and press and backtrack and defend and almost set that intensity, he gives you that that's exactly what Rangers' front line is based on. If you want to go and press, you want to go and win it back. But behind that, you need a team and a group of players that want to come with you. And I would agree with Taylor. I, I've spoken about it in, in recent weeks. Again, I think Rangers are one-dimensional. They stick to that 4-3-3 system. They don't seem willing to change. I think even the now when they have got players out the team, I think they could change the system. I think they could go with a different formation. Could they get Tavernier and Patterson in it? Is another debate? Well, you would never know unless you try so whatever they're doing there now doesn't quite seem to be ticking all the boxes Um, I think it's a confidence thing as well and and that goes down to for me James Tavenier I think he's a massive player that plays in confidence and with 50,000 fans getting on your back I don't think he deals with it well so I, I don't think you see James Tavenier squeezing the game and supporting that press I think you see James Tavenier caught between a rock and a hard place at times where he doesn't want to be at fault defensively he's a bit stressed about should I go or should I stay um, and actually you don't get any the best bits of James Tavernier's game when he does that, he needs to be all in 100% up and down that right hand side and you're not getting that now, you don't get it in the left hand side it chops and changes, is it Bassey is it Barisic um, we said it early in the show, I think Steven Gerrard needs to find his eleven for a couple of games, get a good run at it get real consistency, real energy back to doing the basics, Neil said that a minute ago if you don't do the basics well in the game you don't stand a chance
4: Taylor? Yeah? Do, I mean, do, are you agreeing with, with what Leanne's been saying there?
10: I think I agree to an extent. Ryan Kent you know, agree that he, gives, he, he does give us some direction. I think he's probably a most important player. But he wasn't, even when he played in the early parts of the season, he wasn't initiative. He wasn't you know, demanding the ball the same way he would normally. So it's not so much about the quality that I'm worried about. It's more the structure of the team. It seems like we're trying to change it a little bit and it's just not coming off. And then what you're saying about the full 3-3, I don't know any team that can just stick to the same formation for three years and not be found out eventually. It kind of baffles me that he doesn't change it in any way. You've got Tav and Tarzan. Tarzan is more influential on the, the further th- third of the pitch I'm not saying go and play him at right wing but what I'm saying is you try and incorporate the two of them and get the best bits from two of them but he doesn't even try the youth which I know isn't really the thing to be focusing on at the moment I don't see any youth players coming through in these three years at fingers.
4: Okay, um, that's all we've got time for for now, Taylor. But thank you very much for your call. You made a lot of really good points there. Uh, Very concerned about the way Rangers are going at the moment, especially uh, home form in the league has been a real struggle. They've lost, uh, they've dropped points in three of their last four home games and suddenly just a two-point advantage now in the Premiership over Celtic.
3: Football show with the taxicenter.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go! go.
4: I'm Clayton, Leon Crichton and Neil Alexander with us on the show uh, talking a lot about uh, the club football scene of course uh, some uh, pretty incredible results last night and it all means there's uh, three points between the top four in the Premiership and just two at the moment now between Rangers and Celtic Celtic five straight wins uh, Including, of course, their win against Feren Tavares, but they are closing in. Uh, are they going to be very much involved in the battle for the title? You would certainly say so at the moment. And that's us through 11 games now. So everybody has played everybody in the Premiership. And Neil, of course, a former at Rangers and Hearts and Livingston goalkeeper uh, a Scotland international as well and a Scotland international who's had his hands on silverware and not too many <laughs> Scottish internationals uh, can say that of course it was the, the Kieran Cup wasn't it in 2006 in Japan and you played in both those games I think didn't you against I did. Bulgaria yeah. and Japan I'm, was I'm not
6: going to lie as well I have mentioned that a few times to a few friends the only <laughs> Scottish goalkeeper to win silverware for country. Yeah, countries I so. know <laughs> it is a great claim to fame to be I'm very proud of that, very I, proud proud of that. Bet. I bet you, you are know, listen it was a bit of a Mickey Mouse tournament listen it was and, but to go there and, and, and do well and, and win the trophy and stuff like that listen
4: I take it know. when you're impressing everybody with the story about the Silverware you don't immediately say it was a Mickey Mouse trophy by the way no
6: I'll leave that a bit out but I do say listen I've won Silverware in my country and there's not many Scots, Scots, Scottish goalkeepers that can say that even though it was a you know,
4: a wee, a wee tournament what are your memories of that tournament?
6: Um, the jet lag the jet lag was horrific I remember that, that stands out really well. It was, um, yeah, tough. Um, The first game against, I think who it was now? Bulgaria? Bulgaria, yeah. It was indoor in Kobe, I think, in an indoor stadium. and It was a phenomenal stadium. Um, And that was fantastic. Um, And then the second game against Japan, I think there was 66,000. And it was an incredible atmosphere and they were in the ground about two hours before the game even started and the atmosphere was just ridiculous. It was absolutely lashing down my rain. Um, managed to have quite a good game that day, a clean sheet. Um, and and we won the tournament. Unfortunately, that was my, my third and last cap um, on the back of a good performance. But um, listen, I was very proud, very mm-hmm. proud to play for my country. That's all I wanted to do when I was a young boy. Uh, was, was be a Scottish internationalist and if I'd only got one cap I would have been proud of that but to yeah. get three um I was delighted with and all I ever wanted was a little velvet cap and I've got it in a mm. in a, in a display box in the house and Lovely. you know I'm extremely extremely proud of
4: that The big question of course is about the night after you won the trophy uh, when Walter Smith said go out in Tokyo and enjoy yourself lads and uh, be be there for the bus at half eight in the morning or whatever it yeah, was I remember, I uh, remember the bus w- I remember boys getting on
6: scrambling on late <laughs> but I mean to be honest I'm not going to lie to you it was like 16 years ago I can't really remember much about it um, and and uh, the things that I've read in the which has been documented in the last couple of days about that that tournament, that's just refreshed my memories. Like the little things mm-hmm. that you forget. Um, obviously, I remember the games uh, and the training, and I remember the travelling. But the things in between, I find it very difficult to remember. Um, but I remember the bus. The bus and a few of the boys were scrambling to be late, and they do get the water Stair Yeah, which uh, you didn't want to get the water steer. And um, you know that was one of his trademarks. He was he was absolutely brilliant. But just talking about Walter, it was one of them. He was the kind of guy where, was, if you were in the dressing room and there was a the boys were having a laugh and a joke and it was quite loud, and Walter would walk in, it would go silent. And if you know he he spoke, you listened, because he just had so much positive things to say. You know he had that aura about him. You know if you walked past him in the corridor, it was on and gaffer. And always, I even call him Gaffer. Now, walk past someone mm. to say, you know, I've got him Gaffer. Um, just a legend of a man, and, and it, it was it was brilliant because, and I'll give you an example of of something just to sum him up really. Um, it was March, and it was the two thousand, it was the two thousand nine season, and it was March, and I think Alan had played majority of the games. It was just before the international break for the booze gate thing, so we were stretching in the big indoor indoor um, arena at Murray Park. And he called me over. I thought, oh God, I'm in trouble here. Um, fortunately enough, I never got into trouble underwater. But he called me over. I thought, oh, what have I done now? And he says, um, international break coming up. I want you to get away. Get get kids, get um get the wife, go on holiday, go and have a break. I'm giving you 10 days off. I was like, You sure? And he says, Yeah, go away. And that for that, that came out of nowhere. And it was exactly what I needed. It'd been a it'd been a long, hard season. Um, and he realized that obviously being a number two was frustrating, because obviously you wanted to play. Um, but I came back refreshed you know I recharged my batteries and obviously the the Boosgate thing happened so I ended up playing the last 14 games of the season and I felt great and I'm not saying that was the difference but you know little things like that that you could see you could see that you maybe be a wee bit tired you need a wee bit of a lift because you may be a wee bit frustrated a wee bit down and and you could sense things like that and you could say and without saying too much you just says, listen 10 days off I, I want you to get out of the country Get out of the country, go and get some sun and recharge and and little things like that were were brilliant. And that was his man management. He just said the right things at the right time and he was fantastic. And as I say, he took me to Japan and gave me the two games. We travelled with three goalkeepers as well and he could have quite easily rotated it. But, um, you know, I was the number one at Cardiff that year and been doing quite well. And um, he gave me the two games, which were my second and third
4: cap, which was great. And you very successfully sidestepped that question. I felt about the the night out in Japan. Uh, I can't
6: remember I, it. <laughs> I didn't know how to answer
4: it. I know. I, I love the fact that you've been reading stuff in the last few days just to remind you of what had actually happened. Well, I, and do,
6: I do. I forget. I forget a lot of things that happened a long time ago. And just reading the boys, what the boys remember of it, um, you know, brings back memories. There, there is a lot I, I don't remember. And it's not I wasn't hungover or anything like that. I wasn't don't remember. I just it was that long ago. Yeah. Hopefully yeah.
5: The, the contribution of all the stories then might actually complete the night at some point for some of you.
4: And of course that brings me nicely on to great nights out as a Scotland player, <laughs> Leanne, in your in your international time. Yeah. Do you have a, a favourite night out that you remember? <laughs> wasn't in Tokyo was it?
5: No. Listen that we had a few in terms of qualifying for, you know, both tournaments. Mm. We enjoyed those nights that, that followed. Um, it's not until you probably step back from it you look back and, and you try and as Neil says even try and remember them and I don't mean because I, I couldn't remember them at the time but you <laughs> hang on to those memories don't you a bit more and you kind of wish that you had appreciated the moment a little bit more within it with the people that you, you spent that time with because they're precious memories You know, let's not get away from it as much as we have long careers and, and Neil and I can both look and see there's, there's been numerous games that we've been part of but there's been Many occasions that you've you've maybe not been completely part of it, but certainly when you come away and, and take a step back, it's memories that you'll cherish forever. That's why we're, we're so privileged as footballers to have those memories.
4: Neil, you mentioned Alan McGregor there, and obviously um, few people know him as well as you do. Um, he's in and out of the Rangers team at the moment. Uh, I take it that's not anything to do with his choosing. And and, and is, that a, is that a factor at the moment? Is that symptomatic of what's happening at Rangers, that lack of continuity? Well, from from a goalkeeping point of view, yeah, it's it's it's
6: difficult because you want to play consistently, you want to play every game, you want to get your eye and get your match sharpness, and you know form that um, sort of bond with your back four, you know. And at the minute, Alan's in and out, in and out, and he, and he just can't get a consistent run of games, and it's maybe affected his form a little bit. He's he struggled with with his confidence. You know, Alan last season was unbelievable. What a season he had at his age. And, you know, he's probably thinking he's not got that many more seasons in him and he'll want to play as many games as he can. Um,
4: so it's not like he wants to be rested at the moment?
6: No, he wants to play. No, he's desperate to play. You know, he, he, Alan's a nightmare when he's on the bench. You know, he wants to play. Um, <laughs> he, he does what, some of his he, worst
4: work on the bench, yeah, actually, now wor- that I remember. Yeah, he
6: works uh, extremely hard, you know, Monday to Friday. And, and come come that Saturday, he wants to be on that pitch playing. Um, and, you know, especially at his age, he's, he's probably finding it a wee bit difficult. Getting left out at times because he's so used to playing, he's so used to being a number one, and he wants to play. And obviously, Stephen Gerrard's obviously taken his age into into account. He, he's been giving him the European games, but and and favouring more John McLaughlin in the league games. And I do believe that John McLaughlin will be the future, along with Robbie McCrory And maybe Stephen is looking further afield at thinking, well, we're going to give John more games this year because he might be my number one next year, along with obviously Robbie McCrory backing him up. But. Um, at this minute Alan's desperate to play you know I know and I know he's finding it a wee bit frustrating um, off the back of such a good season he wants to replicate that and do that again you know and show the Rangers fans that yeah he's a year older but he still is good um, so it's, it's, it's a strange one it is a strange one but um, you know the, the way things have been going at Rangers I think Steven Gerrard might be not, not pushed into it but he, he might be more thinking that he needs to get that settled team you know, he might, he might need to give boys five or six games in a row, even if they are, you know, 39 years of age because he needs that consistency in the team. And if your best players are available and Alan McGregor is one of the best players, you've
4: got to play them. And people do look at things like that, don't they, Alan McGregor? Maybe not too happy that he's not playing regularly. Conor Goldson's contract's not been sorted out. There was a lot of talk of about Glenn Kamara before he eventually signed. Maybe too many distractions later? Yeah,
5: and without those answers, you come to your own conclusion, don't you? And I think that's what Rangers fans ultimately just now are left to do. They're clutching at straws as to why their team are not performing and are not as clinical and ruthless as they were last season. But we spoke about it at the top of the show. They are top of the league, and I think that is their saving grace just now. If that was to change over the next couple of games, you know, I think that scrutiny and question marks around team selection, i.e. and Alan McGregor, why is he not playing... You know he should be playing. He was one of the best players last season. That that will heighten and that will intensify.
4: Leanne, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Neil, good to have you on the show, and okay. hopefully we'll get you back as well. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to it over the last couple of hours. We're back tomorrow. Uh, Paul has Barry Ferguson and Mark Guidi with him, and we're live at five.
3: The Go Radio Football Show with taxicenter.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go! go, go.